What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We've got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, Ja Morant's, Joe Johnson's, Ja Raps, of course. We've got Jays we got him for days. Josh, how are you going? We're just back here once again talking about how Mike Boynton seems to be the only person getting punished in a meaningful way for anything when Mike Boynton had nothing to do with anything. I am not surprised, but continually frustrated that somehow Oklahoma State seems to be paying the price and nobody else is. And no four-game suspensions for Bill Self and a Champions Classic and whatever other games they're playing in that stretch doesn't count. No. I think the the most frustrating thing, well, well, I guess... I guess the because the IARP at this point has a track record, like they 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 now have a track record, mm-hmm. and and one that is predictable at this point, right? So from right the the original frustration with any sanctions was, hey, I don't feel like there's ever any rhyme or reason, right? And they're all different, and everything is you just it's unpredictable. What the IARP, IARP is doing, we've gotten to the point of it's not it's not predictable. But the different frustration, I mean, it is predictable. Excuse me. But the, the the different frustration is now that you would you were hoping that the IARP would add some logic to this that would then provide actual consequence, and it doesn't seem like that their logic and the way that they come to conclusions is actually going to create that much much consequence. I mean, the guy who runs it said that Louisville that Adidas was just trying to promote their brand not the university. So that's why, you know, Louisville got basically nothing. It's mm-hmm. it's a different frustration because at least there's some logic and some predictability to it that the NCAA just didn't have, but to your point if like I'm not really sure what the point of that is that we're just creating punishments that don't actually scare any of these programs. Right. And The other part of this is, as you saw with Kansas and have seen with other programs, if you just self-impose some stuff and sit your coach for a little bit in some cases, Mm -hmm. then that basically takes – seemingly takes away the threat of any kind of serious punishment. Right. Which is the – yes, there's a cost to it, but that cost is when you choose. Nobody cares that Bill Self is missing four games after he just won a national championship. Mm-hmm. You know, Auburn self-imposed sanctions in a season where they were bad. Right. Whether it's good timing or whatever, the I, the whole point is they were in control the entire time and were picking when these self-imposed sanctions were going to come. Mm-hmm. Whereas Oklahoma State had no control over every, anything, had to, you know, appealed to get the Cade Cunningham season through. And then right before the next season, found out they weren't participating in the postseason, which is still much more severe or as severe as any team has gotten in this, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So the lesson here is just do the IARP thing, and it's even better if you throw in some self-imposed sanctions to show you're trying. Right. Trying. Trying. Quote-unquote trying. Yeah, it is... It is, I, I mean, I don't, I, at this point, I'm not sure it especially matters because now everything that we're punishing teams for, like most of it, you can get away with under the fact that name yeah. image likenesses. That's so, a good point, right. <laughs> and, and that's the other frustrating part is that now it just, and, and maybe that, maybe that's why, 
maybe that maybe there's some it's got to be part of it some maybe there's some actual connections there that listen at this point these things that these guys did i mean short of right the guys who were arrested and the fraud and that those kind of things a lot of this is is okay like paying a guy a hundred thousand dollars from adidas like you can do that now like we're we're seeing Bryce Love on Pepsi on Dr Pepper commercials, and we're seeing right, and we're you know Nike and Adidas. All of these guys have big endorsements now, so maybe that's. I, I wonder if the punishments would be the same if name, image, and likeness wasn't a thing yet, and if mm-hmm. that actually impacts some of the consequence we're seeing now. Is that is that right? If it is, we can have that conversation, but it might just be the way that it is that there's almost a well. This is. This is okay now. The deed is already done. It, maybe there's some hesitation to more um, intense and more punishing punishments. Which goes to the larger conversation we've had a million times at this point about the NCAA dragging its feet and pushing mm-hmm. back as long as they possibly could because that world was never the best way to do things, but the NCAA refused to change. And so the NCAA was not prepared to handle that kind of stuff. So you had all of this going on. And right, part of the argument for NIL was, well, it's the same stuff that's been happening. You're just bringing it above board so you can actually do it the right way and make sure players are being protected. At least that's the goal. Right. So, yeah, well, it's definitely part of it is that it's hard. I mean, you just look at of all of the things that happen, it's hard to get really riled up about a student athlete getting money mm-hmm. you know <laughs> it's not this you can feel however you want about it but it's not like this it's this horrific moral thing where you know it makes you an awful person because you wanted some extra money. you know there's there's people who have no moral issue with it whatsoever so it just makes mm-hmm. this all very complicated and i'm right there with you it all 100 the optics of this is part of what's playing in you know the fact one of the factors playing in here but I just will continue to go to bat for Mike Boynton and say somebody should be held accountable, but mm-hmm. I had given up hope. So it's right. not like this was <laughs> this was just reinforcement of what I already assumed was going to happen, not shock. Right. Yeah, it is the last thing we're actually feeling is surprise here. Just right. some frustration and, and, and some disappointment. But it is it is kind of it is kind of wild how little of an impact the the last five years and the allegations of the last five years are going to have on the sport, even at this point, right? It took forever, but then once they came down, it's basically over. Like, that's the end of their impact, right? I mean, Bill Self's going to come back in middle of November. Yep. Sean Miller's already at Xavier, right? I mean, it's... Yep. So, okay, I guess the one person I wasn't thinking... Will Wade did pay a significant price for this. Yes. Yes, he so, is I mean, the one the, the one person. I was trying to think of that's the other yeah. person who actually right outside of Mike Boyden is actually right. had consequences for this that are meaningful. And but, he's the but, only but, but he's also the only one who really is there's no ground for him to be like I had no idea. Right. Right. I mean that's and that's been yeah. Rick Patino's Rick Patino's been beating that horse dead until until he dies he it's mm-hmm. i had no idea what was going on with the stripper ring at louisville right i mean um yeah. it's 
it, but when you're caught on wire saying the things that Will Wade was saying, yeah. there's no ground nowhere to hide. for right. There's absolutely nowhere to hide. To hide. Yeah. Um, shall we move on to more enjoyable topics? Yeah, let's talk about real basketball. Let's talk about real basketball, and let's try to do that thing we do before every season and predict all of all of the things, all of the stuff. Um, National predictions pod, Josh. It's the final. It's the final predictions pod. The previews, the conference previews, the conversations. This is the last one, um, and then we have basketball on Monday. The basketball, the the slate on Monday is a snooze fest, which makes me yeah. makes me a little sad. Um, but there will be basketball to watch, and ultimately, that's that's really the only thing that we're looking for here. Um, but last predictions pod. It's the national one. We'll do first team All America, national player of the year, and then we'll dive into. Our one seeds, our final four predictions, and our national champions. Those are kind of the five the five categories we're going to hit on this pod. And then we've effectively prepared you for the college basketball season. I feel very strongly about this. Um, six weeks, twelve six weeks, twelve conference preview pods, and then these two pods this week. I think that's plenty of of content to get to get you ready for the college basketball season. So, suppose we'll start with. First team All America, and then we'll kind of move down the list, and uh, and we'll go from there. Um, do you want to go back and forth? Do you want to give me yours? I'll give you mine, and then we can discuss. How would you like to do this? Yeah, let's go back and forth. Okay, all right. Um, I'll let you go first. You have the floor. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna warn you. I've got some bold predictions in here. I decided to get a little wild. Okay, but I'll start with Drew Timmy. <laughs> Josh, I mean, I, I that's that's not all that bold, no, Josh. No, no, no. <laughs> You'll be shocked to hear he's on my list too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there really isn't an explanation that's necessary here. Chet Holm, I mean, he would be on this list anyway. Chet mm-hmm. Holmgren is not there, mm-hmm. and there's just no way that you leave Drew Timmy off of the first team All Americans on his final season in college basketball unless something goes horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if if he's healthy for thirty two right. games, he's going to make this list. I yeah. there there is no world in which he doesn't have a season that he is healthy for the entire year and doesn't make this and doesn't make this list. At least I don't see it. Um, so he's 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 on my list as well. He's in the front court with an absolutely loaded front court this year. Um, okay, continue. Who's next? Oscar Sheboy. I'm getting the boring ones out of the way first. Okay, um, then. I mean, do you want me to jump in with my not boring part of my list? Well, we can discuss Sheboy for a second. I feel like he at least deserves well, that. Well, well, that's the not boring part of my oh. list. Oscar Sheboy is not on my first team All-America. Oh, well, okay. Continue. John Calipari yesterday, yes, he had he had knee surgery 22 days ago. 22 days ago. And yesterday, John Calipari said that he is that he would be stunned if he played in the first game. Right. He would be pretty surprised if he's not in the second game. And I I refuse like I I am officially in the camp of I will I'm all in on Oscar Shibway who he was last year, but I will I I if you told me we don't really get Oscar Shibway as he was last year until January 1st, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I don't care how minor the knee surgery is. Somebody opening up your knee 22 days before the season starts. That makes me nervous, and I don't think it's a foregone conclusion with the other guys in the front court that he's going to that he's going to be 
on this list. So I'm I'm going with three guys in the front court that are healthy to start the year. That's that's ultimately where I come down on it. It certainly adds an, in, another element to this because there are so many other obvious choices, mm-hmm. right? It's not like you're looking for options if for some reason it doesn't work for Sheboy the same way it did last season. I just he's in such a strong starting spot as the cons- reigning consensus national player of the year, and yes, maybe he doesn't play at the very beginning of the season. Maybe he's on a minutes restriction, or you know when they're blowing out teams, they should be blowing out. He just plays twenty two minutes and doesn't put up great numbers because. He shouldn't be playing 30 minutes in a game where you're in control mm-hmm. after just coming off of surgery, like you said. Just the idea that there was always a possibility he was there from day one eases my concern, even if it does take a month or so for him to really get going. But see, if if it takes him a month, he's not going to be a first-team All-American. I still think if he puts not- up the If he puts up the numbers he did last year, but he only does it for 22 games and everybody else does it for 32, he's not going to be a first-team All-American. Yeah, but nobody else is posting 15 rebounds. Okay, that's fine. I mean, but if there are three other guys that are 20 and 10 this year, he's not making first team All-America, doing being having 18 and 15 for 20 games. I don't think. I'm going to I'm going to have faith that they're being cautious and it ends I have, up I have faith he's being cautious too. That's exactly my point. Yeah, that's exactly my point. That when he needs to be there, he will be there in a way that allows him to still be on the on this list. I'm I'm not quite as concerned as you are. I'm not concerned. I just don't think he's going to be there the entire year. <laughs> I I have no doubt that when he's healthy, he's going to be 18 and 15 every night. No doubt. I just think it's going to be a little while. And once he gets to that point, he'll stay there. But if the Trace Jackson Davises, Drew Timmies, and Armando Baycotts of the world are all, I mean, all three of those guys. I mean, one of those guys was a double-double guy. One of the, those guys was a very borderline, and the other guy's Drew Timmy. So that's it, it, it has less to do with Shibwe's actual on-court performance oh, sure. when he's healthy and more to do with just the level of production he's up against this year. Yeah, and I just... I... I still see him getting the nod if if he misses four or five games to start the season and looks good when he comes back. Fair enough. So I, you have Oscar Chibwe. I do yeah. not. I'll throw another guy out there. Um, okay. Armando Baycott is on my is on my first team All America. Um, double double machine last year. He's a, the best player on the best team on the consensus consensus. I don't know. That might be a strong word, but the preseason number one team in the country. Um, he is another one of the, right. If he, if we get the Baycott, we did at the end of last year, the last, you know, 15 games of last year, and he gets to start from the position that he's starting in this year. Um, and, and, and if UNC is going to be that good, the best player on that team is going to be the fir- a first team all American. And I think Armando is going to be that guy. So he makes my list. See, this is where I have the hesitations with the ifs you just used. I don't have okay. Baycott. I don't have Baycott on my team. Okay. He would. I mean, look, he's sensational. He's one of the ten best players in the country. Just the idea that you have another potential All American candidate and Caleb Love that's actually the one responsible for having the ball in his hands, and the fact that again we're basing this off of what Arm- mostly off of what Armando Baycott did 
for half of a season. Now, certainly he's capable of doing that from day one to the very end of the season this time. I just need to actually see him do this for 32, 34 games. I know what Chibwe can do. That's where I gave him the edge. So we both are coming from the same spot of, I don't think this is going to be as clear cut where all these big men are just going to waltz their way onto this first team all America list at the end, like they did at the pre in the preseason. We just decided for different reasons, how that was going to play out. I mean, we are still talking about the guy who averaged 16, 13 last year, right? I mean, you said only for the end of last year, he played 39 games and averaged 16 and 13. Right. Well, yeah, he was putting up numbers. Nobody was talking about it, though. Sure, but that's that's exactly my point. If he puts up those numbers again this year from the position he starts in, he's a first-team All-American. That's it's, assuming it's, North, Car- I mean, it, assuming it North Carolina is a... T- Go ahead. Assuming North Carolina is a top three to five team in the country. But this isn't, I mean, if, if he averages 16 and 13, I mean, is this, I, I almost don't care what you, if UNC is the 14th best team in the country, but Armando Baycott started as a preseason All-American, he's going to be an All-American if he averages 16 and 13. Yeah, I just would have him as a second teamer. Okay, that's fine. Um, who's next that's, on that's my That's my bold one. Well, actually, that's that's part of it. Okay, I'll throw my wild card out there. I'm jumping in Keontae George. Okay. If Baylor is as good as Baylor can be, I'm kind of following the logic everybody is for UNC that somebody's going to have to get up here into the first team All-American conversation. Mm -hmm. And Keontae George is the most talented player on that roster. And he's the one that's going to get the buckets. He's going to have the, I think he's going to have the numbers to potentially do this. This is a, a long shot. I'm just sort of assuming that it's not going to be as clear cut as it kind of looks like with all of these big guys. And we're going to get a little bit of chaos when it comes to first team, all Americans. I don't necessarily, I didn't take the time to go back and look and see if this is a strategy that is even intelligent or not, but mm-hmm. for what I think Baylor can be, they're going to have to get somebody into this conversation. And I think that's going to be to Keontae George. How many points do you think he has to average? Because there's a lot of points. There's, there's a lot of, mouths to feed in that backcourt how how <laughs> many I don't, I don't i'm not necessarily disagreeing with you um 18? i am just you think he gets 18 now does that does that just because that backcourt is is just averaging 50 a game combined or the other guys aren't as good as maybe they are maybe i mean yeah 45 to 50 that's i mean you have to think that crier and flag are gonna average somewhere between 13 to 50 maybe yeah maybe maybe that does end up being the case I just I, I I will be right. I think there has to be an element of standing out on your own team before you can stand out in the country, and mm-hmm. that's just a really that might be the more difficult part than actually oh, making first team definitely. All America. And and part of this too is, you know, you look at the other pieces there. Okay, you don't have Jonathan Tomochachua for a while at least. Mm-hmm. So outside of the backcourt, there really aren't that many mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. I absolutely see a scenario in which, right, you've got 30 or so a game from Flagler and Cryer. And then you're getting, you know, 20 to 30 from the rest of the team. And Keontae George is giving you 16, 18, somewhere in there. Fair. I'm banking on a wow factor where it's 
it's not just the numbers, it's the way he looks that's going to help him stand out. Because you're correct. The hardest part of this, if Baylor is as good as Baylor can be, is going to be finding the guy to distinguish himself from the rest of that team and actually get the individual honors. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think the standing out thing and clearly being the best player on the floor for Baylor is step number one and probably probably the more difficult step of the two, yeah. if we're being honest. Um, so you've done three, or is that four? Mm-hmm. Is that three? That's three. Um, third guy, next guy on my list is Trace Jackson Davis. Um, 19 and eight last year. Production goes up pretty much every year. The talent, I mean, after after the, the exhibition games, I'm a little worried about my Indiana stance just because of how good those freshmen have been. I mean, Malik Renault has been like the third best player on the team, and he was he's a he's a bench guy, a depth guy. Um Jalen Hutchfino has been spectacular. I'm not I'm not moving from my Indiana thing. I say I'm just a little concerned if those if both of those guys and and JHS was going to always be really good. But if Renault is is that good, I think then I, then I'm a little more worried than I was previously about about my Indiana stance, but um I think Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, I think we're going to, I think we're in 20 and 10 territory for him this year and a really good defender, part of the, you know, part of that staple front court, uh, excuse me, no front court, front court um, with race Thompson and he'll be good defensively and 20 and 10 big 10 player of the year. And if you're a 20 and 10 big 10 player of the year, you're probably a first team all America, even in a down big 10 this year. I'm doubling down on Indiana not living up to the hype. I don't have him on my team either. Okay. Absolutely going to probably find his way at least onto the third team. I would probably have him as a second teamer. You got to you gotta also be relevant in the national conversation. And yes, Indiana are starting there and they're going to be relevant at least to a certain extent because they're not going to be a bubble team this season. Mm-hmm. That would be shockingly bad they're going to be up there with the best teams in the Big Ten. But like you said, how what is that actually saying if they're, you know, team two, team three in the Big Ten, but clearly not the best team in the conference? Mm-hmm. I have – I'm going out on a limb with these. I might look like a real idiot, and I acknowledge that. I just – I'm banking on team success being part of this. Fair enough. So is that why Baycott's not on your team either? No, Are you that banking more... on North Carolina being a sub top 10 team? No, that's more. I just think there's enough around him that he's going to have, I mean, his numbers are going to be comparable. They're going to be outstanding, but that there's going to be an opportunity for Timmy and Shibway to do a little bit more because they're a little bit more important to their teams. Fair enough. Is that four for you? That's still only three. Oh, sorry. That was mine that you were saying you don't have to. Okay, who's yes. four? Marcus Sasser. Yep. Uh, I'm really glad you stopped <laughs> short of not putting Marcus Sasser on your team on this list. This, yeah, there was no way I was going to keep him off. I mean, he fits all of the criteria I'm looking for. That team is going to be outstanding. He is clearly their best player. He's going to have the ball in his hands. This is. Outside of Timmy, he's the one I feel easily the second most confident about. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, Sasser's on my list too. 
He's the best guard in the country as far as I'm concerned and should be should I mean that Houston team I think interestingly is the team that nobody seems to have any issues with being like a top three team in the country this year I have heard very <laughs> like yeah because it's not because frankly it's not sexy to say that Houston isn't going to be one of the best teams in the country it's really fun to say that Gonzaga or North Carolina aren't going to be as good as people say they're going to be but Houston is just kind of over there and it's not nearly as fun to to go against that um but i i i'm pretty confident that he's going to be he's going to be up there yeah yeah and they, also the benefit of they play in the AAC so they're just going to win a lot of games and they do a good job winning the games they're supposed to mm-hmm. so it's just hard to yeah say they're going to I hadn't really thought about that, but that's a good point. Yeah, I just I don't think anybody's picking them to win the national championship. Nobody's saying they're the best team in the country, but nobody is out there saying they're overrated or not a top five team. They're just kind of safely in there at that number three or four spot. Yeah. Um. Okay, I have one more. Me too. I'm backing up what I said on Monday's pod. Kendrick Davis is the other guard on my first team All America. Okay. Um, I convinced myself with the argument I made at the the end of last uh, of Monday's pod, uh, or excuse me, Tuesday's pod, and I I think that Memphis will be good enough and his numbers will be good enough to to be in that conversation. And I I also kind of think that we might be coming down the stretch of the AAC and this Marcus Sasser versus Kendrick Davis AAC Player of the Year thing might get get a little bit of buzz to get it more of a national conversation, mm-hmm. which I think will help him. But remind people I, that Marcus Sasser is not the only, you know, top five, right. top ten guard in the country playing in that conference. Right. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing here is that I uh, so so who are the other like we can let's have a conversation real quick about the other guards that are in the conversation for this, right? He is the only other one along with Sasser that I think is head and heels, obviously above everybody else in the backcourt on his team. Right. When you go, we, we talked about Baylor and right. As good as Keontae George seems to, is, is projected and seems to be, and looks to be LJ Cryer and Adam Flagler are still on that basketball team yep. at North Carolina, Caleb Love and RJ Davis. I mean, I, it's a real debate which one of those guys was better in the tournament last right. year, right? Um, yep. And and then who else is on this list, right? When you when I mean I I'm have, sure there's there's a guy here that we haven't talked about yet that is on your first team All America, so I'm assuming there's that there's whoever that is. I mean Nick Smith Jr. at Arkansas, maybe that's who who's on your team, maybe it's not, but you know there are some freshmen in the country, but I'm always like, I don't know what it is about. I mean, maybe it's the fact that they just lost by 30 in an exhibition game to Texas. That gives me hesitation. Um, but maybe it's the fact that he's a freshman. But um, I convinced myself on uh, on the earlier week pod that that he's going to have a big season. And and I'm sure I'm missing somebody that, you'll, that you're going to tell me about right now, which I concede. <laughs> but... I think he's going to be, I mean, it's a guy coming from a place of already a conference player of the year and 19 points a game. And if Memphis is a mainstay in the top 20 or so 25, and he's averaging 26 and five, 
and it's clearly the best player on that team is going toe to toe with Marcus Sasser. I'm uh, I'm in. So uh, he's the guy that rounds out my list. Yeah, for the reasons you just laid out, my fifth guy is Mike Miles. Ah, okay. Because he's clearly the guy on his team that's going to should be a top fifteen team in the country. I've been going to bat for this, so I felt obligated to back up all of what I've been saying by actually making this prediction. But I'm with you. I I find it hard to, and it's the hesitation I have with all of the North Carolina guys, but specifically the backcourt. They just cancel each other out. The concerns about Baylor and whether one of these guys can separate themselves also very valid. None of those concerns apply to Mike Miles. I really, really buy what this TCU team is doing, and so he's he's my fifth guy for that reason. Because if TCU overachieves even a little bit, he is automatically in this conversation because they don't get to that spot without him. Whether he makes it or not, it's a different question. Does he have to be better than he was last year? Because like, because because Mike Miles had was fifteen four and four last year, and like I, just for anybody, being better than that in the Big Twelve is a really tall task. Not saying that. So so my question just is right. He's one of those guys that is going to have to like. If he does 15-4-4 four four again this year, he's not going to make it because that's what he did last year. And people have decided that like, he's just not getting the first-team All-America buzz, right? I mean, he's getting first-team All-Big 12, Big 12 Player of the Year vibes, which I guess you can argue if he's getting those kind of vibes, he should get first-team All-America vibes. Um, but, right, I think, I personally, I think he's going to, need to be significantly quote unquote significantly but like the numbers are going to have to be substantially better than what they were last year for him to sneak into the conversation do you agree with that do you think it's more of a team thing um these are all just questions i'm curious about definitely think it's more of a team thing okay i would ask him to be slightly more efficient yeah yeah (laughs) which might get you to, you know, 17, five and five, not 16, four and four. Sure. Or fi- what do you say? It was 15, four and four. It was 15.4, 3.8 and 3.5. Yeah. Okay. So if and you a steal bump- and a half. So if you just bump that up a little bit, because he's making one more shot a game, taking a little bit better shots. I don't think he has to do all that much that if TCU is a top 15 team in the country, if TCU is hanging in there with Baylor and Kansas, mm-hmm. And everybody gets excited because I'll look at TCU having this phenomenal season. To me, that's what's going to kickstart this and make it a real conversation. Mm. And so he doesn't, he's already very clearly the best player on this team. So he doesn't need to do that much more. He just needs to do a little bit more. But this is about TCU not only meeting expectations, but slightly overachieving. Sure. Yeah, he could. There, there's some very real play. Like he was 36 percent three point shooter as a freshman. He was only 29 and a half last year, mm-hmm. right? So this is, and, and and I think what goes hand in hand in this is, is there are there guys on TCU's roster that can make the opposing defense yep. worry, right? Yep. Because if Mike Miles comes in and he's the end all be all of TCU's offense, he's going to have to be Trey Young to be a first team All American. He's going to have to be that undeniably good, right? Because there are going to be nights that he's not super efficient because there he's the only guy that the other team are, is guarding, right? Yep. So the other guys on this team, not necessarily taking points away from him, right? It's it's a fine line between 
him getting the stats, but also things opening up a little bit for him because of how dangerous the other guys on his team are. Um, so that would be my only concern about the efficiency, right? Is is he just being guarded so heavily that it's just a unfairly tall task for him to be mm-hmm. more more efficient um, or not? The other thing I would throw out there is now he's coming back with a full year as being the guy on the scouting report. Sure. And that gets overlooked. The sure. idea of he now knows what to expect. Sure. And what these teams in the Big 12 are going to throw at him as the guy that you need to stop on that team. Mm-hmm. He still found a way to score. He just didn't do it all that efficiently. He still found a way to make a, a massive impact. But just that little bit of experience, that knowledge coming in of going, okay, here's where I can just do a couple things differently, tweak a couple things, make my teammates a little bit better, make my life a little bit easier. That's the other part of this I'm thinking of. Yeah, we saw that happen twice in mm-hmm. in our four years of Butler. Yep. With both Kayla Martin and, and Kamar Baldwin. That I'm a big they, believer in that. That they, they definitely figured out what it meant to be the guy at the top of the scouting report. And we saw them both go through those growing pains, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, both as scorers and facilitators and just making your your teammates your teammates better, right? And not trying to do too much while also ultimately doing doing more, right? It's the the less is the less is more kind of thing. But um that's a that's a very fair point as well. Um I like that. So recap your recap your team real quick. Yeah, so I went much smaller than the preseason team. I have Marcus Sasser, Mark Miles in the backcourt, Keontae George as my wing slash third guard slash small forward, and then Drew Timmy and Oscar Sheboy in the front court. I am well aware I may end up looking like an idiot. I just am gonna be different and I just have a there's a part of me that just doesn't believe this is going to turn out the way everybody thinks it's going to right now. Fair enough. Um, mine's huge. Um, front court, Drew Timmy, Armando Baycott, and Trace Jackson Davis. And then in the back court, Marcus Sasser and, and, and Kendrick Davis. So much more on brand with, with some of the other predictions, if you will. But um, I am confident. I think those I think those guys are all stuff in the stat sheet. I'm, I'm confident in their abilities. Come on, gentlemen. Okay. Um I'm assuming like it would be really bold of you for your national player of the year to not be somewhere on your first team All-America list. Um I would be uh, that would be bold. That would, that be, would bold. be incredibly um, difficult to try and explain. So, you're welcome to try and do that um or you you know maybe maybe the the guy snuck on to your first team All America. Who's your national player of the year? Drew Timmy. That's correct. Who by the I way think, has? I think did, I think did that's you know the this? Correct answer. What? He has a he's launching a podcast. Is he really? Yeah, I love that. It's called Gimme Timmy. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> and why don't we have? We I mean that's such a that's just a good name to like mess with for a podcast title. Yeah. He's got it. I mean, anything NIL world he wants, his name yeah. is perfect for it. Yeah. Both first and last. Yeah. Uh, mm. I don't think this is close. I am with your theory that I'm sure you're going to circle back to here and you kind of laid out during our bold predictions. Chet Holmgren slowed Drew Timmy down last season. That's not a criticism of Chet Holmgren. That's just there was another 
transcendent player on Gonzaga in the front court that needed to be treated as such, mm-hmm. that player does not exist this season. Mm-hmm. And Drew Timmy kind of actually does find ways to get better. It's just laying out there. I mean, and, and this is where any kind of injury concern with Sheboy and potentially missing some games or not being 100% at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. could just take you out of the running. And again, yeah. we're talking about the the reigning consensus national player of the year. But I am with you that this is a different conversation. It's a different situation. And Drew Timmy is going to be at least close to a unanimous selection by the end. I agree. I mean, and I think the other part of this is like that's the, the best version of this this team, at least on paper, is four guard is four wing perimeter yep. guys and Timmy. It's not yep. like it's not like there's another it's not like Anton Anton Watson is going to be next to it. Like like he'll like they'll share the floor sometimes, but like the best version of this lineup is Nolan Hickman, Rasir Bolton, Malachi Smith, and Julian Strother around Drew Temme. Right? There's not even gonna be another guy down there to take up rebounds and points. And um, you know, there was a small step back last year relative to two years ago, right? Two years ago, it was 19 and seven, I think. And last year it was 18 and six and a half, something like that. So like we didn't take a massive step back, but like there was some, the the efficiency wasn't there in a way that was the year before. I think with all the guards and perimeter guys around him, him being kind of alone down there, I think you're right that maybe that he kind of seems to improve, do things better every year. Um, I think, and um, I and like I love the fact that not as many people are that that Gonzaga <laughs> occupies a different place in the sport yep. than, it did, than it has the last two years. Yep. Right. It's the it's like it's the same fatigue with like voting Giannis or Jokic for MVP. Like some people just we we just it's at some point right. Whatever it is, if you do it enough, it becomes normal, right? And Gonzaga yep. has just been there now three years in a row and there aren't very many teams that have a stretch like this where they're just always one of the two best teams, you know, the top two teams in the AP poll and it, it, it becomes normal. Right. Um, and not only that, I think he's going to be awesome. Not only that you can't really overachieve. It's mm. almost not possible. Mm. Right. When the conversation is, are you going undefeated? Mm-hmm. And that is part of this for me. It's a small part. A large part of this is I just think Drew Timmy's going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But there's also they can actually be slightly better than people think this season. It is possible because mm-hmm. they are not the team everybody is talking about. And so if we look up in a very realistic world where Gonzaga is clearly the best team in the country by the end of this thing, that's only going to make his case stronger. He doesn't need to be the best on the best team in the country to win this thing, right? It's not a well, Gonzaga's been a little disappointing. But if they get to that point, he is going to be the reason why, and it's. I think it's going to be a pretty easy choice. I agree. I agree. I'm. I'm. I'm so locked in on. I'm so locked in on this. <laughs> With as many good players as there are this year, I'm. I'm incredibly confident in this. As long as he's healthy, which there's no reason to suggest he won't be, it's. I. I'm very, very confident in in him being the national player of the year. Very, very confident. Um, okay, anything else on individual awards before we move to the tournament? No, let's go. 
All right, we'll start one. We'll start with the the one seeds. Uh, we're, we've got one seeds and final four. Um, there is some compartmentalization there. The the forever tug of war between the teams you actually think are going to make the final four and the teams that you know actually will, because very very rarely do all one seeds make the final four. Um, we're going to have that conversation now and then pick a national champion. Uh, let's go back and forth again with one seeds and uh, and then kind of go from there. Throw me a one seed, please. Gonzaga. Yeah, okay. Uh, Fine, whatever. The schedule is going to be there, as it always is. In a good way, not a bad way. I mean, they're going to have an incredible amount of good non-conference wins. So mm-hmm. it's not like they have to go undefeated or anything to be a one seed. I also expect them to win, you know, 99% of their games. Yeah. <laughs> Lose once or twice or three times or something like that. They are one of the best four teams in the country. I just, there's, and of all of the criticisms you may have about Gonzaga, it's not that they don't deliver in the regular season and get one seat, right? They, mm-hmm. they do this part really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole con- combining a couple quality wins in preseason in, in non-conference or, you know, four or five with then going 18 and 0 in West Coast Conference play. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty good at that one. Not a whole not not all that often are we oh my gosh, Gonzaga went 4 and 4 in conference. I mean in non-conference. What is going on here? Um you kind of need the the undefeated West Coast Conference play to 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 get a one seed. That's that's typically not they 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 do a really good job managing to create a buffer for themselves despite the conference right. they play in that yep. like late in the year at BYU, they can lose that game and still get a one seed. Exactly. So, yep. That to your point, um, they, we can have conversations about, I mean, and I don't, I'm not really all that interested in the Gonzaga and the tournament conversations either, but um, it, there's no disputing that they're, when they have a team this talented that they deliver in the regular season to the tune of, you know, two to three losses and a lot of wins. Yeah. So Gonzaga, you'll be shocked to hear is also, is also on my, on my number one season. And for what it's worth, I think the number one overall seed in the, in the 2023 state tournament for what it's worth. I would agree. Next. I'll go Houston next. Houston is also on my list. Again, they are in a position with the schedule, with the roster, with the talent, to do what they always do and the end result be a one seed rather than a two seed. Mm-hmm. They're starting from that position from a national discussion, you know, national conversation standpoint, which means they just need to deliver and they always deliver. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they're having to kind of work their way up from 12 or something to get instead of six to get to four or three to get themselves a one seed. Right. You have to prove you're not a one seed at this point. And I don't see that happening. I see them being every bit as good as everybody thinks they're going to be. Yep. I mean, it's all of those things that you just said. I mean, when you take a look at their non-conference, I mean, the, the, right, the AAC, not, not great, but in theory, a couple wins in there that actually contribute to your, to your at large, right. To your, to your team sheet, um, you get Oregon in the in non-conference. You get Alabama in non-conference. You get Virginia in non-conference. Um, and I, this is just another one of those teams that I think is going to win enough. Is going to win so many games that yep. 
it's going to be hard, especially from where they're starting, right? To your point and the, the metric and the, the place they already hold in the advanced metrics and the other parts of the team sheet outside of just your wins and losses. Um, I think it's going to be, if they win as many games as I expect them to, for them to, to get bumped off the, the, the one line. I agree. Continue, please, sir. Baylor. How mad would you be if I didn't have Baylor in my as a number one seed? Would you be would you be offended if Baylor wasn't one of my one seeds? No, I will happily have more people sleeping on Baylor. No, I'm not sleeping on <laughs> Baylor. They're they're also we're we're incredibly boring here. Yeah. Um, but but the foreshadowing of what you've said earlier in the pod, I don't think we're going to have the the last the last number one seed together. But why Baylor? I mean, as if you haven't convinced, as if you haven't laid out the groundwork the last several weeks already. Yeah. On a very basic level, that Big 12 is so good that if you are an impressive conference champion like Baylor and Kansas have been these past few seasons, you're almost guaranteed a one seed unless you're terrible during non-conference. Right. Right. If If you've got five or six losses, you know, three in conference, four in conference, you're in a really good position to start with. And I just also think they're one of the four best teams in their country. Yeah. And they've done this consistently where they put themselves in a position to get a one seed. They know how to deal with these kind of expectations and they're flying a little bit under the radar, which just gives me even more confidence that they don't have to, they don't have to have the target on their back as defending national champions and things like that. They can kind of do this a little bit quietly. I, I feel very good about this. <laughs> Until they're eight and zero through their first eight games, right. and then and then the cat's out of the bag, and right. here we are again. Yep. <laughs> but starting, but but at this point, at least at this point, at least, uh, Baylor's also. I mean, at this point, when you're when you play in the Big Twelve, and you have created this level of winning that Scott Drew has created, like it's really hard with those two combinations and the roster that they have this year to to add those things up and not get to a one seed right the only thing the only thing that can give you pause here and the thing i would go to if i was going to argue baylor off the one line is it takes a little while for that backcourt to really figure out how to play together right it's it's it is year one with that backcourt so it takes a little while and a result is maybe that their non-conference performance isn't as strong as you were hoping it would be. And then you couple that with, it takes Jonathan Chamo Chachua basically all like three fourths of the year that were like to late January before he really, you really feel like he's back back. And that results in them finishing second in the big 12 behind Texas. Um, and then then they end up on the two line. And and I I wouldn't bet on either of those things because I believe in Scott Drew to be able to overcome both of those things if they happen. And I also don't think both of those things are going to happen. Um, I I can be talked into that happening to Chachua, to Jonathan Chamo Chachua, but I, I don't have any reservations about the backcourt. So that's why I also have them on the one line, but that's where I would go first if if I was trying to argue them off of it, but I've got no interest in arguing against Scott Drew and a <laughs> proud Butler alum. <laughs> and you can also throw in the injuries and the fact that you're that reliant on a freshman. Sure. Th- this is not bringing back that, that reliant on a freshman. 
Yeah, it still wouldn't stun me if he's not the best guard on the team, and the, and and not because he has a bad year, right. because the right. other two guys on that in that back order, which is why they're scary. Yeah, because I think we're in the camp of if he is the best player on the team, then we're then it's really quite frightening because I expect Cryer and Flagler to have yep. good years. We're talking um, about another backcourt that can be different, but the same idea of what they had when they won the national championship. The difference just from is, a oh my gosh, you have that guy too perspective. Yeah, right. The difference is you don't have those guys coming back for a second go at it, like you said. Mm-hmm. So there is a world in which it doesn't end up being that, where you knew exactly what you were getting year two with right. Mitchell Teague and Butler. Right. And people who were surprised that they were that good just weren't paying attention in year one. Right, exactly. Because it was evident in November those guys were legit. Yeah. And then they got you know the rest of that season plus the next season. So, yeah, that, there are holes to poke. I just, and, and not I don't big want ones. To. That, that was yeah, me right, playing right, devil's right. advocate. Right. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Right. No. I don't believe those things. But yeah, there are more questions than the national championship team, which is, you know, but less, not but less at all, but less than there were last year. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that team was a one seed. Yeah. With all and the, the owners. Right. With all the injuries and yep. probably and like I'm still not totally sure they weren't the best team in the country all year when healthy. Right. Yep. I'm still not sure there w- was a team actually better than them when that team was healthy. Yep. Um, but they weren't. So it doesn't really matter if they were or not. Um, who's last for you? So North we're three Carolina. for three. Are they really? I'm so yeah. sad. Um, OK. Yeah. Um, I th- I don't feel good about it, though. <laughs> I. Yeah, I think I think they're I think they're I think they're there. I think they're going to win a lot of ACC tournament games and I think they're going to be another they're just going to have a resume that's undeniable, I think. And really my issue was sort of looking at the other options. I don't see right. this that, being a big That was 10 the next team. question. That was the next question I was going to ask you. I don't see this as a Big 10 team. I don't really see this as a Big East team. I don't really see this as a Pac-12 team considering how reliant UCLA are going to be on their freshmen. Mm -hmm. So you're running out of options pretty quick and the ACC is going to be much better which being the regular season champion is going to carry that added weight. They're starting from a really good position Mm -hmm. whether that's where I feel they should be or not. And oh, oh, the other one is the SEC. The depth of the SEC scares me in the one seed conversation. I have more confidence North Carolina is going to be consistent game in and game out in the ACC and get the amount of wins you need to be a one seed than I do for any of these SEC teams. Whether that's Sheboy injury concerns and the fact that Kentucky, you know, didn't win the conference last season, despite what Sheboy did. Already, you know, the Arkansas exhibition scrimmage, whatever you want to call it, and the fact that that roster is you know, figuring out how to play together. You can mm-hmm. go down the list of, and it's just always, you know, you're playing number 16, number 18. The top of that half of that conference is really, really good. So I don't like the other options, which kind of just left North Carolina by default. Because to me, and also right part of this is it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best four teams in the country. They're the four most accomplished with the mm-hmm. four best resumes. And that's where North Carolina is going to have a, an advantage, I feel. You know, if you asked me to put a different team on the line here than North Carolina, I'd put Tennessee. Wow. You're all in on Tennessee. I'm all in on Tennessee. Completely. 
You know who just beat Gonzaga in an exhibition? Tennessee. Tennessee. And 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 the my reservations, right? And and what you just said is important because I wouldn't put Tennessee in the Final Four because I'm not that confident in their offensive abilities six games in a row or four games in a row. Um, but when it comes to the most, I, I, I have no reservations about how accomplished Tennessee is going to be in the regular season. Um, I've gotten more convinced by my SEC pick since I made it on our SEC preview pod. Um, so like the, for what it's worth, right? Because the short list is, you know, might not obviously have Tennessee on it for who it could be for that number four seed uh, or that fourth one seed. Sorry. Um, but right, I think that's right. That's a that's a fair point, right? Because the short list has some questions uh, uh, beyond North Carolina's, right? You, and you laid some of them out. It's UCLA, and like if Amari Amar Bailey and Adam Bona are awesome, then we're having a real conversation there. But like the Pac 12s in a, you have to win a ton of games yep. because that conference is not very good, right? Um, but it's also like a still a power conference yep. that has. Like it's a weird, it's a weird thing. But like between them and Houston, because like AC, it's not like the AAC is any better than the Pac-12. But and yeah, I don't know. It, it just it just feels different. Yeah. Anyways, um, right, and that's and where the ACC is a perfect balance. It's not quite as deep at the top of teams you feel like can beat North Carolina as the SEC, but you're getting a better overall competition and a better resume strengthening than you're getting in the Pac-12. Right. Exactly. Um, right. We talked about some of the other ones. Um, I mean, maybe it's another Big Twelve team. I mean, we had two Big Twelve one seeds last year. Um, Kansas had an interesting start to their ex- yeah, an interesting beginning to their exhibition game the other day. Um, Texas, you have a conversation about, um, but of course, there's some hesitations there because of last season. But um, yeah, when you when you look at that the, that group of to to be that last one seed it's undeniable and it's funny that we're like north carolina slides into the last one seed when they're the number one team in the in in the preseason but um i think we're at least in a similar boat when it comes to not completely riding off north carolina as it's just going to be smooth sailing throughout the the entire season um but when you when you put them in conversation with the other teams that you might consider for that for that one seed, I think they are at least ahead, maybe not head and shoulders, but at least ahead above uh, above the other options. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So we're in agreement here: Gonzaga, Houston, North Carolina, and Baylor. Those are your yes. four one seeds. Yep. Roger that. Your final four, Mister Doring. <laughs> we'll get the boring ones out of the way first. Okay. Gonzaga. Yep. Uh, they didn't make it last season. That's all I need to know. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, yep. They're in my final four as well. I, I don't I don't see them failing to get to the final four in a, two seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. Number two is Baylor. Okay. Also haven't really gotten to all these great teams. They got, right, one true NCAA tournament run out of them. Mm-hmm. and were really banged up by the time you got to the tournament last season. It's time that they actually get to put it together and go chase another national championship because mm-hmm. for a variety of circumstances outside of their control, they got one opportunity and they made the most of it. They get their second one this season to make the Final Four. 
there are my final four too. I'm hesitant. The only and 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 I've only got one reason why. Who's a point guard on Baylor's basketball team? I was thinking about that. It's an interesting question, right? Because I was going to counter by saying, yeah, but those guards, but also they're guards, not point guards. Valid right. question. And, and that is my only, and the, the reason they're here. And, and, and I was talking to our, our, our friend and, and frequent podcast guest, Lucas Harkins. And he, I just totally, I completely lost my train of thought. Completely lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? I just had a... I, Baylor I, I guards not being a point guard. Ba- Lucas. Baylor guards not being a point guard. Lucas. I completely blanked. I complete... <laughs> that is that is a little scary. Um. Anyways. um. Wow. I think I had... I think I just had a stroke, Josh. I think I just had a stroke. Um. I like point guards. And the I mean like there was like very like there were guys like that first Baylor team I'm I'm rattled. I'm I'm genuinely rattled. Um I I just don't think there's I, I like is there a guy who when it when the rough when when it's there are four minutes left, the under four timeout, you're down by four. Which guy in that backcourt is the guy who his primary thought is okay am i making sure that we're getting the best shot every time down the floor and i felt like all three of those guys on the national championship team had that streak in them and not that one of those guys can't emerge but would but the first thing you say about all three of those guards like those guards can score and even though it could be the thing right davion mitchell was like that guy gets after it he shoots the three ball really well, and then he's a, a lockdown defender. Macy O.T., Jared Butler, like they all kind of and, and the first thing I say about the three guards this year is those guys can score. And David so, Mitchell was an underrated facilitator. Yes. He didn't have to do it, but there is a there's a reason he was kind of billed as a point guard heading into the NBA. Right. Yes. Right. Exactly. Um so that would be my my only hesitation here. When I go and look at the other options I, I i just can't not i can't i baylor is still the the place i land but i that would be my only hesitation and with when it comes to my philosophy with college basketball it is all about guards and it is all about point guards and the guys that can make your teammates better and that's so that's the only that's the only hesitation i have but it's not really a hesitation it's kind of just like a billboard on the side of the road that reminds you as you're driving by, but it's not really getting in your way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're on my team. They're on, they're in my final four as well. Oh, Oh, I remembered. Yeah. I was talking, I was talking to Lucas. This is the point I was getting to the, the tug of war between who I think is going to make the final four and who I know isn't going to make the final four because it never works out that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so like I just gave you three, one seats. Three of my one seeds are in the final four because I don't have a like like it's exhausting to try and manipulate my own brain to come up with four teams that I don't really believe are going to make the, the final four just because I know that's not how it's going to work. Right. Um, so um, so th- that would have been a much more effective point before we started. But the point being is that I think I think Baylor's one of the four best teams in the country. 
And apart from that small hesitation, I still think they're one of the four best teams in the country. Um, and I didn't completely go four for four. I didn't completely go chalk because I gave into it just a little bit. Um, but still, anyways, that was the point. Thank the Lord. I am. I feel so much better. <laughs> I'm so glad much to hear better. that. So much better. The final thing I'll say, by the time we get to March, I believe Keontae George is that guy. It might not look the same in terms of being able to get you know the best shot for your team, but the guy who is in at the controls who can get you buckets and make those decisive plays down the stretch, by that point in the season, I think it's going to be him. Perfect. And I'm, I'm here for that. I got no issues with that being the answer to that question. No issues. Okay, we've got Gonzaga, we've got Baylor, who's next? <laughs> this is where I, yes, I will always be unapologetic in saying I don't just go chalk because that's not what happened. So, mm-hmm. team number three, Arkansas. Okay. Yeah, it's not off to a great start. That almost makes me feel more confident because since when has this been beautiful for Arkansas? We just talked for a full week about this with both mm-hmm. our SEC preview and our SEC interview. But what happens by the end? They are the team nobody wants to play right up there with Houston. Mm-hmm. And I guess Michigan, to a certain extent, Michigan always gets to the Sweet 16. Maybe you throw Villanova into that conversation. We need to see what they are under Kyle Neptune, though. Right? There are these teams you just want no part of in March, and they are one of them because they right. always show up and they always beat a team they're better than, mm-hmm. at least one. Well, the list of teams that are more talented than them this season is much smaller mm-hmm. if this works the way it's supposed to or comes even close. So you combine Musselman's ability to navigate a season and get his team where they need to be by the end with the untapped potential of this team, right? Maybe it's not great at the beginning, but these are a bunch of guys who haven't played together before and a bunch of and incredibly important players who haven't played college basketball before. Mm-hmm. They're going to, logic says, they're going to be much, much better by March than they're going to be the middle of November when they actually start playing meaningful games. And you compare that to, say, Texas with all of these guys returning and adding Tyrese Hunter, who just played a Big 12 season and played in the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. It's not stunning to me that that exhibition went the way it did. Give me Musselman, give me the must bus at the end of the day, and they have the talent to get over that next hump and make the Final Four this season. I like it. I will believe the... I, I, I would just like to see the success of a team of uh, of his team relying the ceiling relying completely on freshmen yes. and then and, and that then is I'm, my hesitation. It, it has no it has nothing to do with right back to back elite eights back to back elite eights and so that 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 gives you enough confidence right there as far as I'm concerned. Um, just just give me give me a month. Yep. Right. Because I mean, I know it's an exhibition and anytime you lose an exhibition, it's, ah, it's just an exhibition. Anytime you win an exhibition, it's look at what we did. Like, look, look at where we're starting here. I I don't care the circumstance when you're playing a team that's of the caliber of Texas in any sort of official capacity, right. More than, more than a scrimmage, right. We get the secret scrimmage reports and I, to be frank, don't especially I'm not especially interested in those, but when there are people in the building, when there's some anticipation, I think there's at least a little something there. So that gives me, so, so the result being, I just, just give me a month and I could be all in 100%. I, I, I haven't lost faith in Arkansas. 
I am just maybe 6% more hesitant than I was a week and a half ago. But all of those things you said about Musselman, I'm, I'm completely locked in. I'm, I have a, I have an assigned seat on the must bus. I'm there so much. I don't like picking teams with this many freshmen to make the final four. It's why I always have a mental hurdle picking Duke. I don't care how talented they are. Mm-hmm. The difference is this is a coach who kn- Mike Krzyzewski completely re- overhauled the way he did recruiting and mm-hmm. did not have much NCAA tournament success with that system. John mm-hmm. Calperi has, yes, a national championship, some NCAA tournament success. He also hasn't won an NCAA tournament game since 2019. Right? Wow. Now, there's right. some circumstances in there. One tournament gets knocked out by COVID. You have one terrible season, and they lost in the first round last season. That formula has not led itself to NCAA tournament success. And Mike and John Calfrey will tell you that's not his main goal. Right. Musselman has that part figured out, which is where I'm going to bet on that as a outweighing my concerns about this actual roster's ability to do it is that their coach has already done this. He just needed the talent and now he's got it. It's hard. It's hard to argue with. It's hard to argue with for sure. I will just wait and see. I will wait and see. Um, Next on my list, so I don't have Arkansas in the Final Four. Next on my list is Houston. They are the epitome of my philosophy of college basketball this year. <laughs> yep. they, are the, they are the epitome. Um, you have Marcus Sasser, and you have a team that and a coach that has proven he can get to the Final Four. I'm not sure, and it's not based on freshmen. It's based on a seasoned college veteran that is going to be the best guard in the country as far as I'm concerned. I I don't I don't I'm not interested in defending it any more than that. That's all that's all I need when it comes to my my college basketball pillars. So Houston is is third on my list. I will stop there. I'm I'm content with that explanation. <laughs> my explanation for leaving them off is pretty simple. I just didn't see how all these one seeds were going to make it, so they were the odd sure. team out. <laughs> sure, because they've gotten to a Final Four. You know, I mean, it's now admittedly I just used the same argument in favor of Gonzaga and Baylor. But it's been a little bit, right? They didn't do it last season. Mm-hmm. Whereas Houston has been these last couple of seasons. Everything's gone right for them in the tournament for the most part. Mm-hmm. One time it's not going to go your way for whatever reason, as much as they are built to be successful in the NCAA tournament. Because I'm right there with you. They check every box. I just think maybe they lose in the Elite Eight. <laughs> Fair enough. And who's your last team? Creighton. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. Tell me why. Give me that defense. Yeah. Give sure. me Greg McDermott. And I just firmly believe they're going to be much better offensively. Are they going to be the best offensive team in the country? No. But this is Greg McDermott trying to fix an offense. This is Greg McDermott trying to fix offensive issues. I feel pretty confident in his ability to do that. The part that has always been the issue for Creighton and is why they have not had more success in the NCAA tournament is they can't guard people. And you and I both love talking about this, that the bar for being a national title contender defensively is exceptionally high. They are going to meet that bar this season. Now, do they have enough offense to win a national championship? That's where you get into an interesting conversation and put them in the same category as Tennessee, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to be fantastic fantastic defensively. Maybe they're not quite as good defensively as Tennessee. I like them better offensively, but not that much better. 
but I want the I want the defense. I want that foundation and a bunch of guys who don't have to do more than they already do. And your big X factor that's going to come in and fix your big problem last season, which was you can't you couldn't shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. You have a guy that's going to shoot the whites out now, and was already doing so at an incredibly high clip. His life's going to be so much easier without being the only guy people are paying attention to on the floor because he's clearly the top threat. He's just another really good player on this team. Are we I'm, sure he's not clearly the top threat offensively for Creighton? Maybe he ends up being. Maybe that's unfair to him. Fair question. He might be the best guy, but you also have but, to deal but with... it's obviously different. Yeah. Right, right. This is... This is the team I'm jumping on, and then I will continue to defend, and they're on my hill. <laughs> they're on your hill. I'm, I'm all in on this Creighton team. Yeah, I, 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 it's, they are one of those teams that I, I don't know what it is, but not for a single second did I consider them in the final four. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's a wait and see kind of thing, but frankly, the team I'm about to put in my final four fourth is also a team that to a certain extent we're waiting and seeing about. So, the idea of picking a team that hasn't done it before is super awkward and weird because it's a final four. Like we're talking about the, the tippity top of the sport. And I, I, I suppose it's just a, I am not, I'm not sure how much better Creighton's offense is going to be. Um, and it needs to be, and, and and maybe it's it just has to do with it. like it needs to be significantly better. Like it it needs to be significantly better to win the Big East. Like like there's nothing to suggest that their offense was anywhere close to an offense capable of winning the Big East for anybody other than Rick Pitino's Louisville teams in the early 2010s. Like that is the like so so I guess may and maybe that's. I already feel like I'm putting faith in Creighton by saying they're going to win the Big East because that suggests that they're going to make a substantial step offensively. Sure. And if they make that step substantially enough to win the Big East, then that in theory means that they took a substantial enough step that with that defense, they should have the tools to go to the Final Four. Um, but I don't know. I guess I guess that's... I, I don't really know what my point here is. It's certainly not that that's a ludicrous pick to make. That's that's certainly not what I'm getting at here. Um, I guess maybe it's just been my, I, I guess all my energy with Creighton so far this preseason has been how much faith do I really have in them to go and win the Big East? With the just with the UConn lurking and the fact that Villanova just plays in their conference, right? I think maybe and maybe that's why I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about Creighton nationally because I am really intrigued by their Big East performance this year and what, and especially in the context of someone just becoming the next king of the Big East or if it's Villanova that holds on to it. I don't know if, and this is just me thinking out loud more than anything else, but. If if their offense takes a step forward, they have all the tools, right? They have the coaching, they have the defense, and in theory, like if Shireman is going to be as good as advertised, then that's the type of guy that can take over a 
a game in which nobody else is making shots and you know the sweet 16 and and kind of lift you over that that small hurdle where the defense is good enough just nobody else can make shots but Shireman has 14 in the last seven minutes and and carries just over that 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 speed bump I am I like it it's it would be on my list of teams that I'm not convinced are going to make the final four but certainly have the potential to right in the in the spirit of hey the all the one seeds aren't making the final four that's exactly right um so they would certainly be certainly be on that list and I, I I have a hard time. I'm not really arguing. I'm just thinking out loud about how I actually feel about Ca- about that pick. Caution to do some deep reflection. Some deep reflection. <laughs> um, are you ready for my last team? Do I need to mentally prepare myself? No, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think you might be surprised, but um, my last team, my the last team, the final four for me is Texas. Okay. Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hearn in the backcourt. We're good. Like I, like I, like I. There's, there's my backcourt. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I think that it's a fundamentally more cohesive backcourt than the one last year was. Agreed. Um, Tyrese Hunter does all the things that Marcus Carr doesn't want to, and Marcus Carr isn't going to have to step over Tyrese Hunter to go and score points, right? Um, and right then we're also talking about a coach that's been to a national championship. I think. It, it was a little weird last year. I think the roster makes more sense this year, um, especially in the most important areas. And it's a super talented team. Um, but I, I, I and, and it really comes to comes back to to those guards and and Chris and me still having faith in in Chris Beard. Those are my that, that's my last final four team. They do have those guards you love, yeah. I love cards, man. I love cards. <laughs> I, I, I'm torn between I wholeheartedly agree that finally this roster makes sense and that Tyrese Hunter is the perfect player to be next to Marcus Carr. Mm-hmm. I'm torn between that and I find I just have a hard time believing all of the issues from last season are going to be fixed even if there's a logical explanation as to how that's going to happen. So I, they are on my list of, I need to see this thing before I believe they can live up to their potential because certainly the potential is there for a final four run and a run at a big 12 championship. Mm-hmm. I want to see what this actually looks like before I decide they're capable of doing that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Who's your national champion? Gonzaga. The Zags, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Year three, third time's the charm, baby. Year three. I will not be ashamed at all at continuing to pick Gonzaga until I have a reason not to. Now, maybe next season, that reason is they don't have Drew Timmy anymore. Mm. Mm. But this season, they have Drew Timmy. And every time they fail to win, it just makes me more confident they're going to do it the next time. Done. Stop <laughs> maybe, the podcast. We're stop the count. We're good. And maybe that just makes me, you know, somebody who is falling into this trap and makes me naive. It's gotta happen at some point, right? <laughs> I just and there is to me this is setting up perfectly 
Okay, you didn't get it done when everybody was looking at you. Maybe you weren't the best team in the country and Baylor really was and nobody wanted to acknowledge it. I'm here to acknowledge that. Yeah. Oh we just didn't yeah. We just didn't we didn't get we didn't get a chance to see it in December. That's the only right. reason. I think we would have realized it. There were extenuating circumstances there. Yes. But okay, yes, Baylor's exceptionally talented again. I got more questions about this team than I did that team. A lot more questions. This Gonzaga team is I mean, maybe a little worse, but pretty much every bit is good. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to a formula. If you want to talk about NCAA tournament success, this will be the final thing. And then I'll let you throw in any other thoughts you have. There was part of me that was always a little bit worried about the idea of building a team around two big guys as complimentary as Holmgren and Timmy were. That that's your two best players on national championship team. Mm. it's the same conversation, you know, the same point you made about Kentucky with Sheboy. We've talked about it with Illinois, with Kofi Coburn. Now, Gonzaga has the guards where this is not a, right, you don't need to be solely reliant on Drew Timmy. Mm-hmm. But now you're playing in a style that lets you get more out of those guards, that lets you be more perimeter-oriented and makes Timmy's life easier because there isn't a home gun standing around in the paint like you laid out right. earlier. That right. this team, to me, from a roster construction standpoint, even if it's less talented, because Holmgren was everything he was supposed to be, it's not like he was bad by any means, from a, a winning in multiple ways, from being versatile, from having the guard play you need to win a national championship, this team, to me, is built in a better way to actually get this done. I, I don't really have anything else to add. Um, I think Nolan Hickman is going to be the surprise um, nationally talked about guard this year with the keys to the offense and the, and you know, the, the guard this year for that team um, flanked by two guys in receiver Bolton and Malachi Smith that have been around for a long time in college basketball. Um, None of whom might they, actually be the second best player on the roster. Cause there's a real argument that's Julian Strother. Oh, and then I and I was getting to. <laughs> I think Julian right. Strother is like like if we're making a sleeper team, like a sleeper sleeper team for first team All America. I think Julian Strother is on that list. I think he's very. I think and from what we've heard about how they plan to use him this year in a very Corey Kispert type role, um, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna be really really impressive this year and be one of those guys that we look at and like, oh my gosh, Julian Strother's averaging eighteen this year. What? And I, I think I so I, I, I just yeah. I mean Mark View, I got I, I got no interest in having any conversation about Mark View other than I really hope he wins the national championship because it's gonna be a disservice to him if he doesn't. Yep. And right? so that we don't have to keep talking about it. Right. Like like anybody who actually will feel differently about Mark few when he wins a title just isn't really paying attention like that. Like it, it's an act like I'm uh, at this point, I just hope he has it on his accolades, not really because I need it to feel any differently about Mark few as a basketball coach. Um, I have all the faith in him. Um, I like guards. They've got guards. I like depth. They've got depth. Um, I mean, Anton Watson is going to come off the bench for this basketball team. That's a really productive college basketball player. Um, Hunter Salas, another five-star guard, is going to come off the bench for this basketball team. Like it is, 
there, there's a, a ton of production there. I think they have the best player in the country, and they're gonna do it this year. They're gonna they're gonna freaking do it this year, Josh. They're gonna do it. They're gonna do it. And there's just no other. I mean, I guess in fairness, I've probably said this at the beginning of every single season, but there's no other team I'm looking at going, that's the team. Mm. But then again, I feel like Gonzaga's the team every season, so. Fair enough. Maybe that logic doesn't hold up, but. At this point, I might just have to pick the Gonzaga to win the national championship every single year until they do it. Like even next year, it's like, yeah, they're like the seventeenth best team in the country this year. Um, I might have, I might just have to pick them. I might just have to. gonna win one before he's retired. I'm not missing it. Yeah, that is exactly right. That is exactly. It's like you know the guy who bets on his favorite baseball team at the beginning of every season because when they win the national, when they win the World Series, I am not going to be the guy who missed on that after I bet on them every single right. 100 percent um the zags that's your three that's the third year in a row that we leave with the with the zags on top of the college basketball world at the end of this podcast but um that's okay i'm i'm i've firmly planted my flag in spokane firmly and then they're gonna go to the big 12 (laughs) i'm all for it keep keep building that conference baby what an what an ego hit it must be, at least on the college basketball side of things, for Texas and Oklahoma to leave the Big Big Twelve, and if Gonzaga joins, yep. they're like thirty percent better than they used to be, <laughs> and and this is a conference that we talk about being elite every single year, yep. and they're about to add Gonzaga, at least in theory. That's yep. um, that's a that's a that's a humbling thought for for two schools that are that rightfully are too big for their britches, but. Still too big for their britches. Right. Um, if that doesn't tell you, A, the status of the college sports universe and how this all works, mm-hmm. and B, how incredible Big 12 basketball has gotten yeah. to be able to potential to right, be in the conversation of Gonzaga's looking to go somewhere, and that's where it sounds like Gonzaga might be headed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Not the Pac-12. Now, of course, there's extenuating circumstances because the Pac-12 is no longer the Pac-12 once USC and UCLA leave. But it's the Big 12 because that is the best basketball conference that makes logistical sense for Gonzaga. Agreed. I'm out. Anything else? This is the last, your last chance to make any claims that you then want to be like, I said that before the season started. <laughs> is there anything Is there anything else you need to get off your chest? Any like tickle in the back of your throat about somebody? I've got a couple. Go for it. Um, the first one is that I think UConn might win the Big East. That's the first one. Okay. Um, I think they we might end up looking up and they have two of the five best players in that in that conference this year. Um I have a hard time with them because I watch them play every season, I feel like, and I go, Oh my goodness, that's a final four caliber team. I love everything about them. And then mm-hmm. they just don't get anywhere close to the final four. Yeah. So I'm kind of trying to protect myself. That's fair. Um yeah, I don't think they're a final four team, but I don't think it's out. I, I think they will compete for that title. I think oh, it's, they're awfully good. I don't yeah. I don't think there's enough if it's not Creighton, it's probably Villanova. I think there's there's a little too much of that. I think UConn is definitely in that conversation. Um, that's the big one that I, I almost put that one on my on my hot takes bold predictions list on Monday, Tuesday. That's the that's the one that's been tuckling in the back of my throat for the last three or four days. I wanted to get off my chest. Okay. I wrote a 
a a sample article for busting brackets saying why Kansas, you should have questions about Kansas. And I'm really sad that I didn't post it after <laughs> I wrote it because we're all in. Everybody's here now. And I could have, we could, I could have already been there waiting, reading a newspaper, but it didn't. That's okay. Um, but then again, it's just an exhibition, Josh. It's just an exhibition. I'm also concerned about the fact that Indiana shot it really well in their exhibition games. I'm a little concerned about that. Now, granted, St. Francis and Marion University. Yeah, so that's where I have a the, hard time. What does this even mean? But 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 then but then you know, but then Butler like couldn't hit the broadside of the barn from the three point line. They still scored like a hundred points against Davenport the other night. So at least there's, and I'm very much in the. I'm not. I'm not going to make. I'm not going to jump to conclusions based on exhibitions. But like, you'd like your team to look good against bad Division two teams, right? Like. At the very least, we can do that. Um, so I'm a little, I'm a little concerned about that, a little bit. But other than that, other than that, I'm good. I'm good. We're all good. We're gravy. You got it's time. It's time. I I am ready to stop discussing what exhibition games mean. That I don't think anybody <sighs> really knows what they mean. Let's play oh, some ones so that ready. count on the wins and loss record, baby. November seventh. We're so very close. We're like 72 hours away from the college basketball season. Thank you for coming along for the journey um, in our conference preview series. Um, It's time to get rolling. It's time to actually talk about college basketball games next week. And I am so, so thrilled that that is the case, but um, we'll be back next week to talk about college basketball games happening on the floor. And then there will be a little one or a little in the win column or the loss column on Monday, and it'll be great. And we can overreact to early season early season results but we can overreact to results instead of predictions it'll be yes. great can't wait um please subscribe to the jays for days podcast and apple podcast spotify and google podcast follow us on twitter at jays for days pod subscribe to the youtube channel check out the tiktok thoughts we're launching it it's here it's coming jays for days podcast on tiktok we're we're bringing it to the to, to bite-sized pieces of the Jays for Days podcast you can get on TikTok. It'll be great. So you can go follow us over there as well. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later. <laughs>